In our final share on the subject of malpractice, we will study three discussions of the acronym of classic scenarios involving bribery, self-dealing, and kickbacks. The Divrechaim of Sanz discusses a scenario of an apotropis, a court-appointed guardian, who was authorized to rent someone else's property to a tenant. He rented it to a tenant for less than the property's fair market value. In exchange for a kickback, the tenant paid him, which he pocketed. So the court-appointed guardian rented the dira for less than its fair value. He took 30 rubles as a kickback because of his effort and because of his fear, his fear of getting caught, he'd be in trouble if he got caught. The house has burned down and the tenant wanted the kickback returned because he didn't have the use of the property for the anticipated term that he was supposed to have it for. The Divrechan spends much of his tshuva discussing that case where the house burned down. We're primarily interested in the basic halacha, what would happen if this kickback arrangement came to light without the house burning down. He tells his correspondent, I don't understand why you wrote such a lengthy analysis, it's unnecessary. The principles here are clear. Their application to our case is clear. When an agent deviates from his instructions, from what he's supposed to do, Mishalach can say, I authorized you to act in my interest, to behave correctly. You didn't do so. Whatever he did is void. As long as as long as it's known, it's established that he's a shleach. So what does that mean? So it depends on whether the Mishalach wants the transaction of the Shliach to be valid and for the Shliach to make him whole, to make up the difference, or whether he wants to reverse the transaction entirely. If the Mishalach wants what the Shliach did to remain in effect, just that the Shliach should make up the difference, if the Shliach did something which resulted in him receiving less revenue, then the Shliach should have to make up the difference out of his own pocket. Does the Mishalach have the right to demand that? Ravid says, Mishalach can say, what you did, I want to remain in effect, and you make up the difference. The Ran implies that what he did is void, no matter what. That's a major discussion. However, that's not relevant to us. Whether the Mishalach has the right to demand that the transaction remain in effect or not, that's not relevant. Everyone agrees if the shleach is responsible since he was ma'ave, since he acted incorrectly, everyone agrees that he's responsible to make the shleach hope, to make sure the shleach doesn't lose anything by his improper conduct. If this evus, if this improper conduct was deliberate, because of a bribe that he took, that's Kneva, he stole money. He... he he, he took a bribe, he rented the property for less than it, uh, than it was worth, so that money that he took should have gone to the, should have gone to the Mishalach, the owner of the property has rent, and he pocketed it. He pocketed it. So that's Gneva. Says the Divrechayim, so what does that mean, Halacha Lemaisa? Imkain. Imhaya bayis kayim, had the house not burned down, had the house still been intact, had the owner of the house, or the Balchov, come to a Dintara, with the shliach, with the corrupt agent, the Apotropis, who took the kickback, they come with a complaint that you rented out the property that belonged to us for less than its, less than its worth because of the bribe that you took. 
Danina and Dameka Choserim Ratsu. They certainly have the right to simply void the lease and say this lease was illegitimate, it was, it was rented deliberately below market value because of a bribe. They can certainly end the lease. Imratsu, if that's what they want. Vimratsu, or if they choose, they can just tell the Shliach, turn over to us the bribe that you took. That bribe belongs to them. The, the house was actually worth, the rent of the house was worth more than the, than, than the, than the shliach that Petropas actually charged. And that extra money, he called, he called a fee, and he took it for himself. He basically took what money that should have gone toward the rent, he took it for himself. Certainly that shochad is the property of the owner. It's the, he, he simply siphoned off, he simply stole some, some of what should have been the rent. Therefore, it's Pasha the Debrei Chaim says, that the, 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 that, that, the, that the owner can simply void the lease if he wants, but if he wants, he also has the right to say, just give me the shochad, because it's mine, that, 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 that's tantamount to theft. You can call it a, a fee, call it a fee for your tirch and pachet if you want, but essentially, from the halachic perspective, it's simply part of the rent that the, that the shliach, that the apotropa stole for himself. He simply stole part of the rent, and it, can be, and it can be demanded of him that he return it to the owner. Rest of the tshuva deals with what happens now that the house burned down, but this is the basic holding of the Divrechaim. The kickback that he took in exchange for renting at below its fair market value must be turned over to the owner of the house as his as the rightful proceeds of his house. It's, it's simple Gnev. Givrim Malkiel discusses a case of Aldvar Rav Echad Shemachar Cheskes Rabbanusel Acher. Custom used to be in Europe that when a Rav would retire, when he would leave a position, he would have the right to demand payment from the incoming Rav. The city would have to choose an incoming Rav. But whoever they chose would have to pay the outgoing Rav for the right to the position. He retained some kind of right, chazaka, on the position, and he would sell the, the right to, to, to become the Rav in his stead to the incoming, to the incoming Rav. So the Divrakel deals with such a transaction. Rav Echad, who was leaving his position, and therefore machar cheskis rabbanuso la'acher, he sold the right to the position to an incoming Rav, the old Rav, the, the Rav who was, who was retiring, had planned to make Aliyah. And the price of this Chetzkes Rabbanus was The price would be 600 rubles up front, ordinary cash. In addition to the 600 rubles up front, 50 rubles a year, uh, a payment would have to be made additional per year, 50 rubles. From that would be Mimos Eretz Yisrael, The European communities used to raise money to support Jews who lived in Eretz Yisrael. He says that the father of the incoming Rav, the purchaser of the Cheskes Rabbanus, was a Gabai on, on some tzedakah funds that were earmarked for people in Eretz Yisrael. The retiring Rav said, I'm making Aliyah, I'll be in Eretz Yisrael. So, in addition to the 600 rubles up front, I want you to give me. Your father, elsewhere he refers to him as his father-in-law, but your father or father-in-law controls money that's designated for people in Eretz Yisrael. I want 50 rubles of that fund to be paid to me per year in addition to the 600 rubles up front. Now, there were other aspects of, the, of this case. We're not going to get into all the aspects of the case, but what happened was basically, the retiring Rav, the Rav who had planned to retire, his wife decided she does not want to move to Eretz Yisrael. So he wanted to cancel his plans to make Aliyah and return to his position as Rav of the city. The argument was, neither of these parties, neither the buyer nor the seller, seem to have, it doesn't seem to have occurred to them 
that there was anything improper about this transaction. It was a contractual question. The, 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 seller, the seller of the Rabbanus wanted to change his mind and take the Rabbanus back for himself. The buyer said, uh, it's mine already. You, you sold it to me. It's too late. He says, you already sold it to me. Normally, if a Rav would move into a city and start being the Rav without permission of the old Rav, that would be a Sagas Gvul, improper competition. But you already sold it to me, and now you're changing your mind. So there's no Sagas Gvul. So that was their question. Their question was, does he have the right to, does the seller have the right to renege on this deal? Is this deal binding? So much of the different Akil's tshuva deals with questions of kinyanim, whether the deal is binding. But in the course of the tshuva, he discusses the question of corruption as well. He says, V'odyesh ladim. Is this deal a legitimate deal in the first place, he says? Here he calls him his father-in-law. He says part of the deal was, part of the purchase price was 50 rubles a year from money that his father-in-law controls. That's stealing. You're taking, you're taking tzedakah money that your relative, that your father or father-in-law controls, and you're buying yourself a position, he says. You're using tzedakah money, you're stealing it. You're using tzedakah money for your own purposes. You have no right to take tzedakah money that you control and use it to buy yourself a position. Since this is, since this is Gezel Gomer, the, 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 whole, the whole arrangement is, is not valid. The, the, the buyer is now allowed to use the money for this purpose, the seller is now allowed to receive this money, the stolen money, he says. So he starts by assuming that it's Gezel. Even, he says, even according to those who maintain that a, that a transaction which involves an Isser is still, is still binding, is still valid. Here he says, the Isser is when the money is paid out. So paying out the money is Isser. The Isser was already done. Now it's, now it's history. It's in the past. So now the, the, the transaction remains valid. But here... If, if he actually does this, if he makes the payments from the tzedakah money, he's doing the Isser right now. How can we possibly tell the buyer that, that you're mechuyiv to... Uh, how, can we, how can we possibly say this is an enforceable transaction and we, and we force them to go through with it and to take the money? They're stealing from the Eretz Yisrael. How can we possibly say this transaction is binding <coughs> and the parties are obligated to continue... Continue the arrangement. The arrangement is Oster. It's Oster to take the money and do this. But then the different Al-Kiel backtracks a little bit. He says, who said this is really Gezel Gomer? He started by saying it's Gezel Gomer. Who said, he says, Whoever gave this money to Tzedakah, they authorized the, the Gabai, the Mamuna, the appointed official, to distribute them however he sees fit. So, he, so it, he, he's giving them to, peep, to, to, the, to the Rav whom he's making Aliyah. So Mikolokim, he says, good, he's allowed to do whatever he, whatever he sees fit, but still, even though he's allowed to make decisions about, about whom to give the money to, he still can't use it to buy his, to buy his uh, son-in-law a position. Maybe he'll claim, I think the Rav is a valid recipient, he's going to live in Eretz Yisrael, he's a, he's a Talmud Chacham, maybe. So maybe he says, it's not Gezel, he's entitled to the money. He's a valid, he's a, he's a very legitimate recipient of this money. Why is that Gezel, he says? Who said that's really Gezel? So the different Malkiel says, he seems to concede it might not be Gezel Gummer if that's the case, but he says, Mikal Makom, Harehu Nogea Bedavar, the Mamuna is Nogea Bedavar, he has an interest, he, he's, no, he, he's not impartial anymore in making a decision of what to do with the money. He's not allowed to make decisions on his own. Uchiyadua, Degabai, Tzedakah, 
He can't make the decision on his own. He's subject to rules of Nagabadavar. And why? Because even though Nagabadavar is said primarily about Dayanim, Edim Dayanim, he says, however, it's Yadua, he says, that Gabay Tzedakah are like Dayanim, Shekibam Leim Since they have money and money given to them for Tzedakah, we treat them as Dayanim and they can't be Nagabadavar. So he starts by saying it's Gazel taking this type of, essentially, it's self dealing. He's using Tzedakah money for his own personal gain. He starts by saying it's Gezel, then he sort of concedes, maybe it's not Gezel if the recipient is indeed a bona fide recipient. However, he says he, he can't make this decision as a, as a Gavite Tzedakah, he's supposed to remain impartial like a Dayan. As we've seen, Postkim say that people in positions of public trust have the status of Dayanim. So the Dimrakil essentially is grappling with the question, how do we, de- how do we deal with, uh, with this type of graft, with self-dealing, with, with using public money, money that's entrusted to your to your stewardship for personal gain. He starts by saying it's Gezel, then he implicitly concedes it might not be Gezel, so the, 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 his final suggestion is that it would be a problem that you're Nogebedover, that, that if, you ha- if you're acting in a way that, in which you have a direct interest, you're Nogebedover and you can't make the decision Levado. I would have said you can't make the decision at all if you're Nogebedover, not just Levado, but certainly Levado you can't make the decision. So ultimately he concludes that this transaction is improper, this type of self-dealing is improper, either Gezel Gummer, or at the very least, the problem is that you're an Agabedover, and, and we treat you like a Dayan if you're a Gabay Tzedakah, and you can't make the decision. Divim Malkiel, again, he says, Yadua, that Gabay Tzedakah are like Dayanim, that may be because Tzedakah is, uh, is a special category, it's public money in a certain sense. Divim Malkiel is not clear necessar- if he would have said the same thing necessarily about someone who's in a, who's in a position of trust who has, who's in charge of money in a private business, in a, not, not a public institution. It's, again, it's, uh, if he takes the money and does, and does something which is wrong, that could, that's going to be Gezel. But if he says, this is a valid decision, I just happen to profit from it, it's not entirely clear if that would be, in the Divrei Chaim we saw that if he, that, that if, again, that, that if he rents out his Mishalach's property for less than its fair market value in exchange for personal gain, that's Gezel, because that money should have gone, gone to the owner in terms of higher rent. Malkiel says that maybe it's Gazelle or maybe it's at least Nogabadavar if you're a Gavite Tadaka. What about a private business where the manager has to, a hiring manager or a purchasing manager, has to choose between two possibilities? Both of them would result in the same revenue to the owner, but he, he stands to get something, some personal uh, benefit from it. Not entirely clear. The Sefer Siach Mishpat, a contemporary work by Rabbi Yaakov Schwartzbert, discusses a classic case of one hand washing the other. Isha kava pigisha in menal machlechis achinoch Woman makes an appointment with the director of the education division of the city in which she lives, al menas l'shtadel misra, in order to attempt to obtain a position. Hamenal amrla, the principal tells her, shalafiyah makubal yesh harbe pneus l'bakasha anal, yesh lahamten batar. In the normal course of things, there are many applicants for that position, and she would have to wait her turn. However, Ulam imavia shalapona yekabalas binosh lamanal hamachlaka kaovid bechir vimifal shalo. The applicant's father apparently controlled a, a business, and the principal's son would like a position, a senior position, a plum position in that business. So he tells the applicant, if your father will give my son this desirable position in his business, I will then feel, the principal says, grat- in, bound in gratitude to your father, 
and I will arrange an appropriate position. I'll get you the position you want in exchange. Is this a legitimate deal? Is she allowed to attempt to obtain the position to uh, put in a word with her father, I suppose, to obtain this position for the principal son in exchange for him giving her the position she wants? It's, he bemoans that this halacha is not taken seriously, sufficiently seriously by the public, he says, but it's problematic, he says. There are two Isurim involved, actually three, he's going to say. It's a question of bribery. He's committing a fraud, he's a form of Sheker against the, against the person who employs him. Why? If the boss, whoever whoever hires this director, this principal, if he would if he would know that he's taking advantage of his authority for personal gain, lo mishpachto for himself or for his family, his son in this case, in the course of his official duties, so he wouldn't hire such a person. and sometimes he says, not only is this it's even outright theft, as he's going to explain. So first he explains, he discusses shochad, the rules of bribery, and he says, What is shochad? Anyone who perverts din, equity, the, the right thing to do, or whatever principles he's supposed to operate under those principles, because of something of value he receives, that's shochad, and he's surah minat Torah. he says. He does concede, in a situation where he has the right, he has the authority to accept for the, for the job, for the position, anyone he wants, there, there, there are no restraints, there are no rules he's supposed to follow. He has completely, complete and utter authority to, to hire whoever he wants. Then he says, you're right. There's no shochet, he says, because shochet means being bribed to do something that you're not supposed to do. The same way he can prefer anyone he wants for any reason, there are no rules. Similarly, he can decide that whoever gives him money is going to be the one to get the job. And I'm not breaking any rules because the rule is whatever I want, uh, whoever I want gets the position. When his job description does prescribe certain rules he's supposed to follow, certain principles he's supposed to, that are supposed to guide him, and despite those rules, he takes something of value, of any value from someone to prefer him. Despite those rules, that's Asr. Shokhat is Asr not just for judges, as we've seen, for any official, or for anyone who, uh, who, who, who has an opinion, anyone who expresses his opinion, and he's supposed to be doing so according to some types of klalim, some type of amos uh, midah, if he if he does if he instead he takes shochad that's an that's an iser derais of shochad. Amnon he says gam kishen iser shochad even when there is no iser of bribery imhu makom avod hashayachle oso adam if it's his own business his own his own work then certainly mutlo bavad elakabel chatila again my own business I can hire whoever I want. Avul baoved if you're employed by someone else krakus avnul el sheish gam kinevis das bedaber you are. You are misleading your employer because he wouldn't hire you if he knew that you were self-dealing. So that's an iser of gnevas das. Upamim shaf gnevas Sometimes this can constitute gnevas moment as well, as in the case of the divrei chayim. 
Kigon Shamavit Amrlo Lakakas over that Tobioser. Let's say the employer says, choose the best candidate. Oh, it's a Mikras Hazolbioser. Or the opportunity that's the cheapest for us. It's to say to save the business money, whichever whichever opportunity will be cheaper. Oh, Ashara Tobioser, or the best merchandise by some criteria of best, he says. So if there are objective criteria that the manager is supposed to use to make the decision, if he gets him an inferior deal, like in the Devrich Hayim's case, that he rented the house for less than it was worth, that's he's facilitating theft, he says. Even if the Balabayas says, you decide the criteria, how the position should be filled, he meant criteria that are in the best interest of the business. You can decide what they are, but certainly not criteria that line your pocket. Therefore, Rav Schwartzberg says, it's Shochad, it's Knevis Das, and maybe even Knevis Mamon in a case where, in, in cases where he gets an inferior deal for the employer. What he says here is somewhat Mechudash. Shochad, it's true that we've seen, Postkim have said, it's not limited to Dayanim, it applies to other public officials. Different Malkiel, we just saw, said it applies to Gabay Tzedakah. Those are all public officials in charge of public trust to some extent. This, this fellow in the, in, in the Siach Mishpat's case, he was a Menahel Machlechet Achinoch Be'ir Megureh. Maybe that was a governmental position, but he seems to imply that even in a private business, a hiring manager, a purchasing manager, would, would, would be subject to the laws of Shochad, that's a tremendous chedush. I'm not aware of any source that says that a private business, is a, pri- a, pers- a private manager, a person in private industry can have an issue of Shochad. That's a great chedush. Gnevis Mammon certainly makes sense. That, that, that's what the Rechayim said. If, if, he get, if, he gets him, if he gets him an inferior deal, if he gets him an inferior deal, he, he, gets, uh, he, he winds up paying more for a product, or he gets someone who's less qualified. That we can certainly understand as Gnevis Mammon. That makes a lot of sense. The other idea, though, that he says also of, of, of Gnevis Das, that even if there's nothing inferior about the deal, it's still considered fraud in Gnevis Das because he wouldn't hire him if he knew he was self-dealing. That's plausible to some extent, but it is a chiddush. He doesn't bring a direct... I, I'm not sure if he brings a direct precedent for this. As we've seen, we've seen earlier Chuvas Divir Malkiel and the, and the Divir Chaim, they didn't bring Gnevis Das. In, in a case where it's Gnevis Mammon, they brought Gnevis Mammon. In a case where it's not Gnevis Mammon, the Divir Malkiel struggled. He came up with the Svara that he's, since he's in a position of public trust, he can't be no gay abedover. The idea of, Gnev, of Gnevis of Das is a chiddush. It, it, it's, it's plausible, but uh, it would be good if we were able to find in Makar a, a, close, a close precedent, a close parallel for this form of Gnevis Das.